On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about serving the Lord. Yeah, uh, as the new year starts, hopefully we're all interested in doing as much as possible in service to God. And tonight we want to talk about where can we find some opportunities to do good and serve the Lord. All right, we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the yeah. first program of the new year. Exactly right. My so, name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Thank you, Jacob. Good to be with you. And uh, Kyle is behind the controls tonight. Kyle, we're glad that you're here on the new year as well. It's good to be here. Good start to the new year. Good start to the new year. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope that you uh, will comment tonight on the program at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and in the chat room. Sign in with other listeners there on the program tonight. And uh, it's not too late for you to get started on your Daily Bible reading. Uh, yeah, what you need to do if you're gonna if you want to get started and not get too far behind, go to our website collegeview.com. Get on there and find the first few days worth of reading assignments, and then send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'll send you a, a paper copy of that daily Bible reading calendar, and you can get going. But you're gonna have to get going. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so get out there and uh, get that started online, and then get your paper copy. Questions at collegeview.com. We have bumper stickers for you to help us spread the word in the new year. Those are available for you free of charge at questions at collegeview.com. We hope that you'll make contact with us and uh, get some of those materials. We're talking tonight about uh, serving the world. One more thing. Let's be talking about an upcoming event here at the College View Church of Christ, January 26th and 27th. That's a Saturday and Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Two times Saturday afternoon, evening, and uh, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a special event. Our, our emphasis is going to be lessons for young people, their parents, their families, but especially things that will be of interest to all concerned Christians. Uh, Kevin Clark from Birmingham, Alabama, will be here to bring us those lessons. It's going to be an intense 24 hours. We're going to have five lessons in 24 hours. I think it'll be very good. We've had Kevin here before in the past. He's an excellent speaker. And, and he'll he'll uh, really motivate you from the Word of God. And so we hope a lot of people will make their plans to be here. If you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, you need to come. Mark your calendars January 26th and 27th. All right. Uh, be making plans for that. Stay tuned for more information as we get closer to that date. All right. Uh, on to the topic at hand tonight. All right. Well, we were thinking maybe something worthwhile talking about here at the start of the new year is the importance of doing all that we can in service to the Lord, and therefore that requires us to be looking for opportunities to serve. Right. Uh, this is not something that just happens by chance. If you know somebody who's a really faithful and productive child of God, someone who really does a lot to get things done in service to God, 
they don't come upon those things accidentally. Those people are looking for chances to serve. They're, they're interested in being able to do as much as possible. And so they, they are consciously seeking out opportunities to do good for the Lord. And, and I think we all ought to be that way more than we are. And so we want to talk about where, where can some of those opportunities be found? All right. Uh, we'll look forward to you commenting and you sent some questions earlier to our inbox. Yeah, to our, to our, uh, recipients on our mailing list. And if you're not on our update mailing list, send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. Say, put me on a list. And we'll put you there. Let's do, I'm not going to read all of this. Let's just start with the first part. There's some dangers we got to be aware of. Uh, some, I think, negative thinking that has the real potential to hinder us. Uh, one of those is past failures. Another thing that's possible is that we sort of get stuck in a rut. Uh, and thirdly, we get depressed because we aren't seeing big results. And so we got to be careful about those dangers. Uh, our opportunities are now and in the future what has happened in the past. Now, if it's sinful things that have happened in the past, if it's been sinful neglect that's plagued us in the past, we need to repent of that. Uh, but whatever's happened in the past is not going to be changed. Our opportunities for effective service exist now and in the future, and we need to realize that. Uh, and I, I really think that a lot of people do have the tendency to sort of say, well, yeah, I've tried before and it didn't do any good. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to. I don't see any reason to try again. I think that even has the potential to affect congregations. Uh, we tried that. I, I don't know how many times we hear brethren say, "Yeah, well, that's been tried before without any success." Uh, and so, so since we've had past failures, I think that the danger is we just decide not to do anything at all, and that, and that won't work. And, yeah, certainly uh, it won't work. Uh, Paul didn't have that attitude, as you note here in your uh, your outline, Philippians chapter 4. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul didn't have the idea that he was a failure, that he couldn't do things. And perhaps, you know, perhaps we consider our efforts failures because we have the wrong measure of success many times, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, and I want to talk about that because sometimes we get we don't see the big results and we get depressed by the fact that we haven't converted a, a ton of people, and so we get depressed by that. That's another one of the, I think, the, the feelings of negativity that have a da- uh, the, the potential to really hinder us. But first of all, this idea of past failures, don't let them get you down. Don't let them keep you from working. Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 12, uh, he said, I count my, uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ, God in Christ Jesus. So, uh, in, in regards to anybody who would say, oh, well, we've, we've made efforts before and it hasn't paid off, we tried that and it didn't work, uh, there's no use doing anything. Paul's, Paul's example to us would say, keep on trying, just keep, keep, keep pressing forward. All right, all right. Um, so, uh, I don't know if we got any email yeah, we do. on that or not. We uh, do. Uh, Kent says there are indeed dangers to be avoided. Uh, fear of failure, problems and past sins need to be confronted. Correction made and a determination that we will accomplish 
that which God wants us to do. We should certainly never make excuses for having been guilty of past sins. However, we can learn from the past and determine never to engage in such again. So, uh, you know, if, if, if they're legitimate failures... Learn from those. If the failure is sinful, we got to address that. We can't just ignore it. If if the if the past failure we're talking about is a sinful failure, then we need to address that and 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 seek forgiveness by God's plan. But if the failure has just been we 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 okay, so we we had a gospel meeting last year, and we we tried to get a lot of people. We invited a lot of people. Uh, we did a lot of advertising. Nobody came. So what? What's the use? What, what's the use of having another gospel meeting? Or what's the use of trying to reach out uh, with, in an evangelistic fashion? We can't let that happen either because our job is to sow the seed. And, and, we're, and you suggested, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, but the, the results are, are not our responsibility. The, the Putting the seed out there is the responsibility. The parable the sower certainly teaches that. The sower went forth to sow his seed. He went and he sowed his seed everywhere. He sowed it in places where it probably wasn't going to do any good. He sowed it in places where it would do good. He sowed the seed. And the, and the message there for us is get the word out there. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered. God gave the increase. Yeah. And so let, let's be planting. Let's be watering. And, and whatever happens will happen. We've done our, our responsibility. And we bring glory to God. The, the important thing is we bring glory to God. When we do our part, when we do our work, whether or not we see visible results or not, we're still glorifying God by virtue of the fact that we're serving him, doing his will, uh, accomplishing what he wants us to, to perform. The parable of the sower, uh, no doubt, uh, you know, you would imagine that the, the sower probably uh, more seed didn't produce than did in, the, in that parable. The sower did his job in sowing the seed. And uh, and so we need to be aware of that. Uh, Stephen uh, sent an email. He said, after Paul came to the end of the road with the Jewish people, he simply looked for opportunities among the Gentiles. We often like to evangelize among people of our own familiar background, uh, culture, ethnicity, economic and educational equals, and overlook everyone else. This is one reason churches don't want to get involved in jail and prison ministry. Okay, I think you're right about that. There, and, and sometimes we need to to sort of get out of our comfort zone. You, you got to imagine that the first century Christians, as they went about evangelizing the world, were certainly out of their comfort zone because uh, many of themselves, many were putting themselves at physical risk: imprisonment, torture, death, execution. Uh, but they were certainly getting out of their comfort zone. I, I think Stephen's probably right there that maybe one of our holdups is we just want to sort of do what's comfortable. We maybe want it to be a little bit too clean. Yeah. To uh, uh, you know, we don't want to we don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to have to deal with folks who may have challenging problems um, that may we may be uncomfortable around. Uh, so maybe we need to change our, our outlook there. Yeah. Uh, Stephen in the chat room, uh, the same Stephen, says, if knocking on doors is considered unfruitful, then someone needs to tell the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons they keep having success. Yeah. I, 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 I think that's a, a true observation that Stephen's making there, that Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons haven't given up on door-to-door evangelism. I'd really like to see some statistics about the success that they're garnering in doing that, they must be getting some, or they. Uh, but 
But I, I think, uh, realistically, that there's that it's less effective. It's got to be less effective than it used to be because we still we still done some of that, uh, and and people. People don't like to be bothered at their door. It used to be people sat out on the front porch and they talked to everybody who came by. The reality is times have changed and lots of people resent people coming to their door. Uh, I know we've experienced some of that. But I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I I, I agree with Stephen. Uh, uh, I think the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons uh, really shame us in their evangelistic fervor. And we need more of it. Right. Um, so don't let past failures stop you and keep you from seeking opportunity. But don't get stuck in a rut either just because that's the way we always have done it. Now, we do some things the way we've always done it because that's the way it's taught in the Bible. That's In fact, we do. hopefully we're doing a lot of things we do the same way they did them in the first century. The, the way we do some things hopefully is 2,000 years old. But other things we do as matters of judgment, and like was mentioned, maybe we just get sort of comfortable doing certain things certain way, and that may hinder us. We and we have that expression: you can get stuck in a rut. Uh, and so we ought to be willing to try something new, assuming that the new thing is scriptural. Some people use a end justifies the means mentality and they violate biblical authority just because they want to get something done in uh, in a big hurry. We should be willing to try new things, but whatever we try has to be within the bounds of Bible authority. I mean, things like the Internet, things like we're doing right here, being able to reach people literally all over the world via the virtual Bible study. Uh, that wasn't even possible just a few years ago. So that's something new, so, something that can be tried. Uh, we we got to be open to that. But again, with the strong, strong caveat that it has to be limited by Bible authority. We can't do anything without authority of God. All right. So you and Kent are on the same page again. He says getting stuck in a rut can be problematic for those of us who are committed to Bible authority. While we need to take great care not to move ourselves away from such, sometimes we assume that something is unauthorized without giving adequate thought to what is really involved in a practice or total situation. If we carefully study the concept of Bible authority, we can deduce the difference between an expedient and an addition. That's very key, key, really. As an illustration, there should be no struggle between bedsheet sermons and using an overhead projector versus PowerPoint. So Kent says, don't just dis regard something as being unauthorized without being careful to determine if it is truly unauthorized or if it is a lawful expedient. Yeah, I think that's a really great observation. uh, It has to be authorized, but but new expediencies are coming along with fairly rapid succession. Uh, For instance, we're, we're... here at College View, we're talking about expanding our presence on the Internet. We want to, we're, we hope to, within a few weeks, be able to begin streaming all of our services uh, uh, on the Internet. Uh, we do the virtual Bible study every week, obviously, but we're, we're hopefully be able to get our, our services streamed on the Internet. Uh, that seems to be a good thing to do, and there's not anything that would be a violation of Bible authority by doing that. It's it's again it's a it's a it's an exclusive work of the local congregation. We're not 
We're not engaging in some kind of a missionary society or a, or a, a conglomeration of congregations to, in order to, con- uh, to accomplish that. It, it looks like a good thing. Yeah, so, so it's important that we, uh, as we talk about these things, that we don't begin to believe that our expedients are somehow binding. For instance, that well, this is the way we've always done it, and that's because it's scriptural. It's the way that we have to do it. Yeah. Well, we've always we have always met on Sunday. Yeah. Why don't we meet on Friday night? Well, that, that, there's a there's an issue of Bible authority there. Uh, so the first day of the week is something that's been done that way for 2,000 years, and it has to be continued to do that way. Yeah, right. That, uh, that's, so that's a, that is not an expedient. That's, that's, that's a, a that's command. A, that's a command. But an expedient would be a Wednesday night assembly. Maybe uh, the community that we live in has more availability on a Tuesday night. Yeah, or Thursday night. Or a Thursday or, night. Of course, you've you got to be careful. If you go on Thursday night, you're going to be well, you conflicting might get, with the Virgin Bible. You might get twisted up there. But, you'll be conflicting with the Virgin Bible station. Yeah, but, and, and maybe, maybe there's... Uh, Maybe it would be beneficial to have a service on one of those nights. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing unscriptural. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and so if that would be if that would be expedient, we ought to be willing to con- to consider that avenue. Exactly right. All right. Uh, we need to get a break, and when we get back, let's talk about results. I think a lot of times we get depressed because of a lack of results. Oh boy. Uh, let's talk about that when we get back. All right. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about more when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here's some quotes worth pondering. In company, guard your tongue. In solitude, your heart. Hell will be truth seen too late. It is a sad religion that is never strong except when its owner is sick. You can't do much about your ancestors, but you can influence your descendants enormously. If you don't live it, you don't really believe it. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about serving the Lord and looking for opportunities to serve the Lord. And we're starting off by commenting on some things that can get us sort of sort of negative, back. Yeah. Ne- negative thinking that, that really I, has the great potential to keep us from Hamperous, doing more. Yeah, absolutely. 
and and one of the things, a big thing, I think, is that we we get kind of depressed because we're not seeing big results from people, or or or, or the bringing in of people, the converting of lost souls. We've heard uh, about gospel meetings that they had a hundred years ago, uh, maybe a tent meeting. A lot of brethren used to call them brush arbor meetings. Uh, where they where they go out in the country and they they just meet out in an open place uh, in a grove of trees or under a tent, and whole whole communities would turn out to hear the gospel preached, and and dozens, maybe a hundred or more, would be baptized, and they and and the meetings would be so successful that they would continue them. They wouldn't end after a week. If they were still doing good after two weeks, they'd go three weeks. If they still out Having results after three weeks, they'd go four weeks. And they had these long protracted meetings and dozens, hundreds of people were, were converted in the process. Back in that day, churches of Christ were the fastest growing religious group in America. Uh, well, it's not that way anymore. And we're kind of, we're kind of down about that because now when we try to have special evangelistic meetings, nobody wants to come. Uh, and and when we try, we invite friends and neighbors, coworkers and family. Uh, they they don't come. Uh, if we if we do a, a a lot of advertising or if we knock on doors, however we do it, we, a lot of people don't come. Uh, and and so we say, what's the use? What's the use in trying? Uh, because we're not seeing those big results. Um, I think it's it really important, and you you suggested this earlier, Jacob. The the Lord is looking at our effort. He's and and we're not responsible for how the how the gospel call is received. Uh, now that's not to say we can't do better. We can do better, but the fact of the matter is when we put forth effort, when we when we make the gospel available to the lost, whether they are interested in it or not. We're doing our assigned duty. And so the Lord's not looking at the numbers of responses. I, I know brethren have suggested in the past, uh, why don't we have a goal of baptizing 20 people in this coming year? Wrong goal. It is. Uh, it's absolutely the wrong goal. Because it's not our job to determine how people will receive the message. In fact, it wasn't Paul's goal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Jesus didn't say, Paul, I want you to go out there and I want you to convert a thousand of those Gentiles over there and wherever you are. Yeah. No, he told him, go preach the gospel. That was the that was the stated mission, go preach the gospel. Now, people would be baptized as a result. People would be obedient to the gospel and be saved as a result. But Paul's mission was to preach the gospel. And, you know, we can that needs to be our mission as well. Yeah. And we can have a hundred percent success rate at exactly. that. Exactly. You can be you can be successful every time yeah. in doing what God wants you to do. If, if the gospel's preached, that God is glorified, and He He will bless our work in serving Him. We're blessed. We we are blessed when we do His will, whether we see one or a hundred or none be be saved from the preaching of the gospel. When the gospel is preached, when God's will is 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 obeyed and performed. He's pleased and we're blessed. And so we we got to get past that idea of, ah, we're down because we don't see any big numbers. Well, that may change in the future. might not change in the future. We, we might get back to those days of fervent evangelistic uh, responses. 
It's a little hard to foresee it in the world as it's going today, but it, who knows? It could happen. But whatever happens, whether people are anxious to hear the gospel or whether they're not interested at all, our job is to preach the gospel. Well, Stephen, in the chat room, said the church grew during times of persecution. We don't have that right now. Uh, yeah. We have prosperity and ease, and so perhaps uh, some hard times would cause some more of those responses. Uh, but nonetheless, we need to be teaching the gospel. Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy 4, Verse 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul there, by inspiration, said there's going to be times uh, it's, it's sometimes it's going to be in season. That's when it's easy to preach. and People are interested in hearing and receptive to the message. But he said, preach, preach in season and out of season. Yep, preach it when they want it. Preach it when they are not interested in it. Preach the gospel. But just preach the gospel. He wants to say, now you go baptize people when they want to be baptized and when they don't want to be baptized. Yeah. Preach the gospel. Exactly right. All right. We got anything in our email yeah, here? Yeah, we do. Uh, Kent says, as far as becoming depressed because we do not always see, uh, do not always see big results, let us remember to measure success by God's standard rather than by what appeals to worldliness. I think that's right. Now that appeal, that's something that we need to be on guard against. Is this is that we can become interested in results that would appeal to the carnal man? Yeah. That we want the big numbers. We want to be popular. Yeah. We want to have. You know the rich people and the influential people, a part of our of our ever efforts, and uh, and certainly uh, people have been led astray by that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Stephen says big results. I have heard an explanation concerning two young missionaries who went to two different locales. After 40 years of ministry, they met up and compared their results. The first one said that he converted 174 people from the African tribe. The second one stated he only converted 25 people on the large island where he evangelized. In heaven, God took note of the numbers. The first one failed to evangelize over half the people that God had appointed to salvation, whereas on the island, the preacher had evangelized 100% of those uh, that the Lord had in sight for salvation. Numbers can be deceiving. I know it's a story. Well, uh, well The only problem I have with that story is that it suggests that a sort of, sort of a predestination or a foreordination toward salvation. Uh, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Second Peter 3, verse 9. But with that, I'm not sure that's what Stephen meant by that, but it, I wouldn't want to leave the impression that we think that there are some people chosen for salvation and others who are not. The, the invitation uh, is for all. Uh, whosoever will, let him come. Uh, Paul said to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 35, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. But having having made sure we're clear on that point, I do think it's interesting. So here's a guy in a big city, and he converts a hundred and here's a guy in a small rural area, and he converts just two or three. Well, the fact of the matter is that two or three may have been every honest truth seeker that existed in his in his realm of influence. He did a good job. He found he found the truth seekers, and he and he taught them. Whereas the guy in the big city, he may not have found all the truth seekers. He wasn't able to spread himself that thin. 
And so, again, it's just a danger to try to measure by numbers. Yeah, and on that idea of, um, and Steve says, me, we're just simply not provided the opportunity. You know, we agree with that. You know, along the idea of that, of predestination, that God was picked down to the specific individual who's going to be saved, who's not. We don't believe God does that, but we do that as individuals, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and we got to avoid that. Yeah, oh, he wouldn't ever be responsive to the gospel. I'm not going to waste my time with him. I know that she, guy. He's not interested. I, I'd be wasting my breath to talk to him. She's headed exactly the wrong way. She'd never turn around. I'm not yeah. going to talk to her. Yeah. And so what we do is we end up predestinating who we think will respond and who won't. And Kyle, we, any thoughts before we go to a break? No, it's, uh, it's if God, if the kingdom of God is spread by one person, that is a victory in itself. I think we need to, that's, I agree with you in not saying numbers High numbers is a victory, and low numbers aren't. I just That's a good point, though. So. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. When we come back, let's talk about some positive areas where we can look for opportunities. Hey, this could be a negative. It's a yeah. new year, by the way. Yeah, let's I mean, be positive. Let's be positive. All right, so how can we uh, excel in our service to the Lord in the coming year? We'll get on that on the other side of this week's bullet point. Don't go anyway. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. There are three kinds of Christians in any local congregation. Which kind are you? First, there are those Christians you can always count on. When there is work to be done, when a volunteer is needed, when a need must be met, you can depend on these folks to step forward. They carry their own weight and they help others carry theirs too. Read Galatians 6 verses 2 and 5. There's never a doubt about their commitment or dedication. Their obvious zeal serves as a positive source of encouragement to others. You just never are left to wonder where they stand because they demonstrate their faith in every way. These Christians serve as the core of any faithful congregation. Without them, important work would never get done. Crucial matters would be left unattended. The church simply would not do well. Thank God for all such brethren. We should all strive to be one of these. Second, there are some other Christians in the local church that are absolutely out of it. They have little, if any, connection to the real work of the local congregation. They never are around if there's work to be done, and they simply do not volunteer to help with the ongoing efforts of the group. It is even impossible to count on these folks to attend the services regularly. Almost anything can serve as an excuse for them to miss the assemblies. And if they don't even assemble faithfully, we wonder if they're really doing anything in service to the Lord. Third, there's yet another group that is in evidence in the local church. These are the ones who are riding the fence, so to speak. They want to give the impression that they are faithful and involved, but in reality, their lives are full of compromise. They vocally claim allegiance to Christ, but they can't be counted on to consistently put the kingdom first. Our Lord described these three kinds of Christians as hot, cold, and lukewarm. Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. Which term describes you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We want you to find out more about us by visiting our services. If you're anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee, make plans to come and worship with us. Find out about our meeting times and location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. I overlooked a, a several comments by Anthony Johnson in the in the uh, chat uh, in the YouTube chat window. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Uh, for uh, your thanks comments. for commenting. Let, let me catch up with what he said. He said we really need to stretch ourselves. Uh, 
He says strong uh, Hebrews five seventeen says strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. One way to exercise your senses is get into conversations with individuals. Work out your own salvation in Philippians two twelve. We need to practice first John four verse one, try the spirits, uh if we love souls. Challenge yourself, ask yourself the difficult difficult questions your faith will increase because of the study that you're doing to answer difficult questions and giving answer to every man okay uh, and he references first peter 3 verse 15 he goes on to say if we worry about numbers we'll start off drifting toward denomination the denominational world and try to please man instead of god jesus didn't worry about numbers he cared about truth jesus asked his disciples are you going to leave too and of course he he didn't do anything to draw back those who were well, leaving that's him. That's right. So yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's a good point. John six. Yeah, I think good job. Good point. Second uh, Timothy three twelve. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Second Timothy two six. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Uh, he says, got my, I got stirred up there. He said, "I know, Anthony. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate uh, hearing from you, Anthony. He's getting to be more of a regular on the program, so good he to gets hear." It. And I, I'm, I'm negligent to get that that YouTube chat window open because that's another way in which you can communicate with us, and and we'll try to stay a little more attuned to those comments. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. And Anthony, if you get a chance, send us a note there and let us know where you're listening to us uh, tonight. There. Uh, good to hear from Anthony. All right, uh, so time to get on to uh, things that uh, can help us as we look for opportunities to serve the Lord and opportunities that we uh, can excel in his service. Uh, there are lots of things that uh, can help us uh, in along the positive realm. There. Yeah, we, we need to talk about, again, our, our, our theme is where can we find opportunities to serve? It's a new year. It, I, I mean... Obviously, day just rolls over into day, month into month, year into year. But there just seems to be something about a new year that sort of motivates us to do some soul searching, think about how we can change some things in our physical life. But we ought to think about how we can change things in our spiritual life, too. And so I had some suggestions, but I'd certainly be open to anybody else giving us your suggestions about where we can find opportunities. But here's one that I I had uh there's an opportunity that's available every time you hear someone say, somebody needs to do something. Well, you know, somebody needs to do something about that. Well, if we're, if, if we're attuned to that, that's, that's somebody just slapping us in the face with an opportunity. When they say somebody needs to do something about that, hey, there's something to do. There's an opportunity. There's service to be done. Now, it may be something that is not too fun to do. You know, Somebody needs to go talk to that erring brother and try to restore him. Somebody needs to do something about that. Well, the guy who's saying that, he needs to, too. But never mind him. I'm somebody. I can go to that erring brother. I don't like to do that. I mean, it'd be a lot easier to look the other way. But when, when he says that, he's if, if, I, if I'm alert, he's saying, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's an erring brother that needs to be restored. I need to go to him. I need to try and bring him back to the Lord. That's an opportunity. And so all kinds of, of things come along that way. Or somebody said, you know, the toilet in the women's bathroom is broken. Yeah. And yep. it needs somebody needs to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I tell you, I, I, I'm very much of the opinion the guy who said that, you know, fixing toilets is not rocket science. No. Uh, no. And almost anybody can do that. And so the guy, you know, you know, somebody ought to fix that. Somebody needs to do something about that broken toilet in the women's restroom. Well, maybe he could have done it himself. But what he's telling me, if I'm listening, what he's telling me is, here's an opportunity for service. Somebody should do something. I'm somebody. I can do that. And so, you know, uh, I think I think a lot of opportunities pop up that way. Again, very often, the reason why someone else is saying someone needs to do it is because it's not necessarily a pleasant job. It's, it's, it's either difficult, like restoring an erring brother, or it's unpleasant, like fixing a toilet. But whatever it is, if it needs to be done, I'm somebody who can do that. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of verses, Matthew 20, verse 26, beginning, Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. That's the attitude we need to possess. Really... The whole idea of service uh, involves making ourselves available to do what needs to be done. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew twenty three eleven, He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Galatians 5, verse 13, Paul said, Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Notice, Paul is saying what we ought to be looking for is the opportunity to serve, not be served. I think that the big problem is we, 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 what, what's, what's being done for me? You haven't done anything for me lately. I should never think that way. Serve. My, my goal should be to serve, not be served. Yes, absolutely. And when I see something that could be done, hop to it and, uh, and get on it rather than just saying, oh, somebody ought to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, as you said, I'm, I'm somebody, and I ought to be getting busy. Uh, Kent says there are opportunities that can be gained when everyone else is saying something should be done about this. We need to take the self-motivating step to accomplish what needs to be done. I have a great appreciation for local churches and brethren who make a distinction between individual action and collective local church action. However, those of us who emphasize such truth also need to remember that not only should we stand for such fundamental truth, we also need uh, to practice individual responsibility. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Kent. Thank you for that. Um, so, again, here, here, here's a red flag for you. You're looking for opportunities? Here's one. Here's a flag waving when someone says, somebody needs to do something about that. See that as an invitation to get busy. Yeah. They're telling you, here's an opportunity. So step up. Take advantage of it. Okay. Closely associated with that, I had in my list, when you hear people say, wouldn't it be wonderful if, wouldn't it be wonderful if, and then they go, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, we could we could have a gospel meeting, you know, in the fall? Well, yeah, it would be wonderful. Let's do that. Or wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, we had a class for the new converts, people who've recently obeyed the gospel, we have a special class. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had a class? Yeah, it would be. Let's do that. Uh, w- wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, someone showed special interest in in the young people and taught a Bible drill class for them mm-hmm. once a week? Yeah, it would be. Let's do that. 
So any anytime you hear, uh, uh, here's another expression that we hear from t- time to time. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if, well, again, if it's scriptural, then let's jump on that. If, if it's within the confines of Bible authority, let's go for that. Right. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah, it would be wonderful. Let's do it. Yep. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. In the chat room tonight, Jeff says, to quote an animated movie from a few years ago, see a need, fill a need. So he talks about that idea of wouldn't it be wonderful or somebody ought to be doing that. If you see the need, fill it. And uh, and so we certainly need to be, when we see opportunities, we need to be busy. And, and perhaps... One thing we need to do is start looking for those opportunities. You know, if we if we sort of sit back and say, you know, I'm not I'm not the one who's supposed to be doing things, maybe we're not looking for opportunities. Yeah. Maybe. Jesus said, Matthew seven verse twelve, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes we call that the golden rule, but you know, if you would like to see that done, if you would like to see it done for you. But if you'd like to see it done in general, then that says that's something you ought to be doing yeah. and not waiting for somebody else to do it. Anthony in the in the YouTube chat window says he's in Carrollton, Georgia. Hey, Carrollton, uh, Georgia. A member right. of the Central Church of Christ uh, in Carrollton, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, he says Central edification Georgia, is done inside the building and evangelism needs to be done outside the building. He says, I've seen that flip by lots of brethren. Oh. Good point. Okay, so uh, James one twenty two, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. All right. Uh, so, good observation there. But again, we're looking for 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 flags that would alert us to good opportunities, and 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 when somebody says that. Uh, we need to we need to jump on it. Kent in the chat room says we can learn much by observing. It would be wonderful comments from others. We can learn a great deal of what needs to be accomplished and individually go to work and encourage others to do the same. And so we should, uh, when we hear that from others or if we see that ourselves, uh, we uh, ought to be taking action and, as he said, encourage others to do the same. I think that's exactly right. And maybe we encourage others by us getting busy ourselves and. And going to work together. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to the top of the hour. And uh, we've got a few more things to talk about. Uh, There are going to be some obstacles, but maybe those things could turn into opportunities rather than obstacles. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Credit Suisse Research Institute's 2018 Global Wealth Report found that to be among the global top ten in wealth, you don't even need six figures. A net worth, that is savings plus assets minus debts, a net worth of $93,170 in the U.S. is actually enough to make you richer than 90% of the population around the world. And more than 102 million Americans qualify in that top 10% worldwide, far more than any other country. Also note that the top 10% owns 85% of all global wealth. 
Furthermore, you need only to have a little more than $4,000 to your name to be richer than 50% of the people in the world. That information is via foxbusiness.com. The Word of God says in Luke 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and uh, we want to hear from you as we go to the top of the hour here uh, about things that we can do in our service to the Lord in the coming year. Kyle, it's a good opportunity for us to step back and, and think about uh, what we're doing for the Lord, what, where, where we can uh, grow, where we can expand, where we can do more. Yeah, what we've been doing, what, what, what last year, what did we see that was successful and what we can do this year to even amplify that, build on that, and change what didn't work. So it's just a, it's a good idea for reassessments. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stephen, in his email, uh, says there's one opportunity that the Lord's Church has failed to recognize that needs to have been done 10 or 20 years ago, and I want to see it come to fruition, an exclusive international television network that airs 24-7, 365 around the world with programming that will counteract what the denominations are doing, with all the tripe they keep pumping over the airwaves, why is it that man-made religions can harness modern technology, but God's people cannot or will not? Um, Got to be real careful there, because if we, if we begin to evang- imagine grand schemes like an international television, uh, television network uh, all around the world, 365 days. That's going to take a massive amount of money and a considerable organizational structure to do that. There have been efforts to do some things like that in the past, but the problem with that is that it that it immediately begins to require an unscriptural conglomeration of congregations. His answer to number four is um, is also uh, along those lines. He says, the Lord's people are often hamstrapped by finances to implement his plan. There are serious reasons that hinder those ops, those finances having to do with the entire concept of giving and receiving being mistaught. Am I to believe that the worldly denominations are able to come up with the necessary finances to promote error, but God and his people don't have what it takes to mount up a defense? It feels... It makes me feel like the church is trying to fight the good fight with one hand tied behind our back. I think we have gotten hogtied by the phrase, everything decently and in order. I was in the military and a professional firefighter. When in battle mode, decently and in order are not part of the vocabulary. There is a war raging for the souls of billions. Let's fight. I agree. Let's fight. But we got to fight the way God told us to fight. And the the problem with uh, with a... The idea of doing something on a scale like a, a an international television network is that it would require a a collectivity of congregational effort because it would take millions of dollars and it would take scores of staff people to accomplish that. There's not a congregation anywhere in the world that could do that. If it, if it, if it took just one million, but it would take mega millions to do, but if it took just one million with 50 staff members to pull it off, there's no congregation that could do that. So what congregations have done in the past with programs like the Herald of Truth and other things that have been tried to, where brethren have tried to work at that scene, 
They develop unscriptural techniques like a sponsoring church arrangement where one eldership takes the oversight of a work far bigger than their own congregation could ever accomplish. And in doing so, they violate the, the autonomy and independence of local congregations. Or they, or they, instead of a sponsoring church arrangement, maybe they set up a missionary site. There have been plenty of efforts to do that. They set up a man-made organization with a board of directors. And they have churches send money to this man-made organization for the effort of evangelizing on a grand scale. It's unscriptural. It's unauthorized. It can't be done. Now, in our human wisdom, and of course that's always the problem. The problem is always that men try to imagine that they can come up with a grander scheme than God did. So why can't we do that? Well, bottom line, we can't do it because it's not authorized. But if you spend just a little bit of time thinking about it, you realize that when we begin to centralize a, a, a oversight like that, we start on the road toward full-blown Roman Catholicism. That's what they did. They began to have overseeing bishops that saw saw some saw who had oversight over who saw over more than a local congregation. We can't do that. Now, someone said, "Why can't we? What would be wrong with?" It? Well, it's not it's not authorized. But I think we see in God's wisdom why it's not authorized. Okay, Stephen adds in the chat room, "It's not a church effort; it's a business. It would be a business." Stephen said, "Well, how how are churches going to to support a man made business in doing that?" Yeah. Um, you know, if 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 a handful of individuals want to work together to accomplish something, they can. But but even there, when when that handful of individuals begins to solicit contributions from other people and oversee how the contributions other people give them, that's a missionary society. It, it, it's it's wrong whether it's churches that are that are collectivizing themselves. Or whether it's a, a group of individuals who then assume the oversight of the work of other individuals, it's either it's either a sponsoring church or it's a missionary society, and either way, it's unscriptural. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com tonight. All right, so things that are viewed as obstacles, those so, can be opportunities. Yeah, Tell me about that. Think about think about you know the as has been said the pessimist sees difficulties in every opportunity the optimist sees op, the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty we need to be like the latter this is a difficult thing but it provides us an opportunity to to do some good uh james says in james 1 verse 2 my brethren count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing james says See, see difficulties as an opportunity to grow and accomplish good. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So, if it's tough, that, that just provides us an opportunity to work harder. We get stronger. We may do good, but obstacles can actually be opportunities to to get a lot done. All right. Uh, Kent uh, says in his comments. That there are things indeed that might be considered as legitimate obstacles. However, we can do our best to eliminate those obstacles by changing them into opportunities. Example, seeking to change the views of others by seeking to teach and persuade them to accept and obey truth. And so maybe one obstacle is that people just don't, uh, that, that truth is not popular. And he says there would be an opportunity there to try and change the views of others and persuade them to accept and obey the truth. So I've got a real obstacle in my path 
Because this guy that I'm trying to teach has been strongly influenced by the Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know anything about the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so it's a real obstacle to me. I don't know how to reach him because he's he's been so powerfully taken in by the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, wait a minute. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity there for me to learn more about what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. I can dig in and apply myself and study. That's an opportunity. If nothing else happens, I'll end up better informed, but I just might be able to reach him too if I apply myself and see the flaws in their doctrine and able to show him from the Bible what's wrong with what they're doing. You know, maybe one of those uh, obstacles in Paul's life would have been folks that were in Caesar's household. There would be certainly obstacles teaching those folks. He was, uh, he, was crying being, out loud. he was being held in custody by Caesar. And think about all the ungodliness in that household. Yeah. Uh, you can't do any good there. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, you're basically a prisoner. How do you expect to do any good, Paul? You can't do any good there. Mm-hmm. The Philippians 4.22 said he, there had been success with Caesar's household. So uh, certainly obstacles should not uh, stand in our way. Uh, we should uh, be willing to to challenge those obstacles and overcome them. Yeah. Uh, Let me quickly get to another area. We're going to run out of time. But another area where there's opportunity is by observing what is working for other people, where where other people are having success. You know, a good business does this. A good business sees where other businesses are succeeding and they imitate them. Uh, and, And we need to do that, too. Uh, we don't we don't do that maybe very well. Uh, we, we sort of, as we said earlier, tend to get stuck in a rut, uh, uh, and, and maybe we keep doing things that are not working when we could change that up a little bit and and observe how others are being successful and imitate the success that they're. Now again, I, I hope I don't have to keep repeating this, but I'm going to anyway. That would not authorize us. The end does not justify the means, and that would not authorize us to do something that's not true to the Word of God. But in so much as we can do it within the bounds of scriptural authority, we ought to do it. And if others are having success with with different things, then we can imitate them. Now, Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Jesus is simply making a point. The people of the world, when it comes to when it comes to pursuing their agenda, are often far more devoted and shrewd and inventive to get their agenda accomplished than we as God's people are. We have an we should have an agenda. We should have a purpose. We should have a plan and an intention. And we need to pursue it with the same kind of zeal that people of the world pursue their agendas. All right. Uh, Kent says we can, by observation, take notes of areas where others are having success and at least attempt to see if such will work for us. So he says at least give it a try if it's uh, something that's scriptural and lawful. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes we just dismiss it by saying, oh, well, that's what the denominations are doing. Well, okay. Is it working for them? Is it scriptural? If it's scriptural and it's working, then then we should be wise enough to say we could employ that kind of a technique too. Yeah. You know, uh, around around town here in Columbia, a lot of these digital billboards are popping up, and different groups are using that kind of a medium to advertise themselves. Well, is that working? If it's working for them, 
then maybe we ought to do that too. If it's, it's it, because it wouldn't be unscriptural to advertise in that fashion, that'd be an expedient. If it's working, let's do that. Yeah. And yeah. then finally, uh, things that have been discarded, things that have sort of been throwaways. Uh, you know, sometimes things that have in the past been discarded are are now viewed as valuable or worthwhile. Uh, I think about going to garage sales. You know, garage sales are full of things that people wanted at one time. Now they don't want it anymore. They just want rid of it. But actually, if you search through there, you might actually find a, a real treasure. Yeah. So maybe one of the areas where we could look at for opportunities is things that uh, old ideas, the things that people were doing in the past, but we've not been doing it that way for a long time. Maybe there's something there that we could go back to. Again, talking about expediencies, something we could go back to that might might work again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which uh, that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. When you really boil it down, there's, there's really no new thing under the sun. It's just different ways to try to accomplish the same goal of spreading God's word and converting the lost. All right, Kent says there are times when we want to discard past ideas, plans, and methods for something that is new. However, some of those past concepts may work just fine. The problem may really be of our failure to put them into work. I think that's true. It, boil it all down. It's, it's, it's primarily about us, about our commitment, and about our willingness to be effective servants for the Lord. Anything in your chat room over there? Uh, let's see here. No, let's uh, see. Yeah, Anthony says, uh, let's see here. Uh, he mentions the woman at the well. Jesus took that opportunity even though he could have been tough being a Samaritan. If that's a really great example, the Samaritan woman at the well. She she had all strikes against her, uh, and Jesus that wasn't a, that wasn't a great Jesus wasn't in a great situation. He was tired, he was hungry, and he was thirsty, but he had an opportunity to teach, and he did. It wasn't a perfect time for him. She wasn't a likely prospect. She was a a Samaritan and a very immoral woman, but Jesus took that opportunity. There's, a, there's some really powerful lessons in that text, John four. All right. Yes, absolutely. Lots of points we could make there, but we are out of time tonight. Uh, Kyle, any final thoughts from you tonight? No, it's just, uh, I guess, the overarching thing we talked about at the beginning, just sow the seeds. Sowing, sowing when even it doesn't seem it's worth it. So we just keep sowing the word of God. So that's something that's and you're successful if you sow it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how it comes up or if it comes up at all. You've been a success if you sow the seed. That's it. All right. All right. We need to get the seed out of the barn then, huh, Kyle? <laughs> Quit, quit saving the seed. Start spreading it around. All right. Uh, thank you for being here tonight, Kyle. It was good. Hey, Dad, thank you for good thoughts tonight and, and uh, good comments. Thanks, J.K. Happy New Year to you, Stephen, in the chat room. He wishes us a happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and our listeners. And we can make it a happy New Year if we will follow God and his, his and love for us. Throughout the New Year, join us for the virtual Bible study. All right. Appreciate you being here tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.